And good afternoon, everyone, and welcome into a special edition of Focus today. Wanted to do something a little different for you. Today, we are going to spend a good portion of our show on a single topic, school absenteeism and its impact on our children. A new study from Stanford University ranks Michigan fourth highest in the country for students who missed at least 10% of days out of the 2021 and 22 school year. That's an average of 18 days missed every school year. Some additional uh, anecdotal evidence shows that a lot of kids are missing many more days than that. When students miss school, obviously they're missing vital instruction, but for a lot of kids, nutrition as well as many other students, as many students get at least one meal from their school. They are missing socialization, the interaction with their peers, the opportunity to participate in sports, and other important extracurricular activities. And as we found during the pandemic, children who may be in crisis in their homes, may be suffering some sort of abuse, they're not under the eyes of other adults that they might be if they are in school and maybe getting the help that they need there. And many students are getting mental health help as well through their schools. But if they're not there, they're not getting any of it. So research shows that the pandemic had a negative effect on student learning. We know that. We've talked about it so much here on WJR. But is the problem of absenteeism exacerbated because of the pandemic? Well, the data shows that the number of students who were chronically absent before the pandemic and after nearly doubled. So the problem is still with us and, in fact, has gotten exponentially worse. The number jumped from 20% of students being chronically absent in the 2018 and 2019 school year to 39% of students being chronically absent in the 21 and 22 school year. That means 39% of public school students missed 10% or more of the 180-day school year. More than 545,000 students in Michigan were counted as chronically absent. A half million students here in Michigan are counted as chronically absent. Many students just simply didn't return to school after the pandemic. And we're going to find out what some of the experts think about that and why that happened. Now, as we all know, Detroit has long struggled with chronic absenteeism rates. The Detroit Public Schools Community District chronic absenteeism rate jumped from about 54% of students in the 2019-2020 school year to about 77% during the pandemic. And the numbers from the 22 to 23 school year show that the rate has decreased somewhat, but it's still at 68%. That's a massive number. What we have learned is that for a number of reasons, students are just not making it to school on a regular basis. And it's not just in Detroit, by the way. It's happening elsewhere in the state by evidence that we are saying there's a half a million students in the state who are chronically absent. So it's happening everywhere. And the reasons are numerous. We have overwhelmed parents, transportation problems, learning problems, not having the tools to have a successful learning experience For a lot of students, that's their experience. In a presentation to the State Board of Education in September of last year, the State Center for Educational Performance and Information 
showed that student attendance in Michigan schools dropped to just under 89% during the pandemic, down from 93% in the 2019 to 2020 school year. The statewide rate for students deemed chronically absent jumped to just about 38.5% compared to roughly 20% for the previous four years. So that number right there is showing us the big jump in kids who are chronically absent. A lot of parents know yesterday was count day in Michigan schools. Kids urged to get to the classroom. There were a lot of special activities in classrooms, even special gifts and things were given out to get kids to be in their classroom on count day. It's a critical day when funding is determined for the whole school year by the number of kids who make it to school. So I understand there's a lot of numbers here, but the bottom line is that our kids are not making it to the classroom in record numbers, and that is a problem that will affect all of us in the future. On our show today, we're going to talk to several experts on this topic. We have Dr. Nikolai Vitti, the superintendent of the Detroit Public Schools Community District. He's going to be joining us to give us an overview of what's happening in his district and what they're doing to kind of correct the problem. Candace Jackson is the Detroit Public Schools Community District third grade teacher, but more importantly, she was the Michigan Teacher of the Year. We talked to her earlier this year, and we loved her uh, ability to connect to her students. She talked to me about having lunch with her students every single day. Instead of her going out to lunch, she has lunch with her students. And what she learns from that, we're going to get some insight from her on what it means for a student when they are not in the classroom. Dr. Pamela Pugh is the president of the Michigan State Board of Education. We're lucky enough to get her uh, for an interview today. The Reverend Larry Simmons is the executive director of the Brightmore Alliance. Turns out Northwest Detroit suffers a high rate of chronic absenteeism in its schools we want to find out what the Brightmore Alliance is doing to help that. Dr. Uh, Reverend Simmons has worked with these students a lot and has special insight into what they are faced with every single day. And finally, we have Pam Good, the co-founder of Beyond Basics, uh, coming in for a, a chat with us. Beyond Basics is a literacy organization that goes into schools to provide massive, intensive learning and reading uh, programs to students who have fallen behind. They've had great results. They're very big on results and uh, the metrics used to show how their program works. We're going to be talking to Pam about what it takes to get students on board, in the classroom, ready to learn. So, again, we know there's a lot of numbers here, but we were taken aback by the number that showed that Michigan was fourth in the nation for students who missed at least 10% of days out of the 21-22 school year. And that's an average of 18 days missed every school year. And the numbers, even after the pandemic, are just showing very little improvement in many areas. And in fact, in some areas, it's showing a worsening of these figures. In other words, more students just finding it either too hard or really not an option to go back to school. And we're also learning that the younger students are having this issue as well and that the younger students are, when they start to miss school, the more likely they are to continue that really bad habit for the rest of the school year. 
So we have a good show scheduled for you today. We're going to end the show, too, by the way, by talking uh, with a comedian, someone who grew up here in the Detroit area, but she's uh, on the national stage now. So we'll end with a few laughs, the show today, for sure. But until then, we've got this program scheduled for you, Focus and In Focus, the issue of chronic absenteeism in our schools. Stay with us as the Focus Show, a special report, continues here on WJR. And welcome back. Our topic for the show today, chronic absenteeism in Michigan schools. We're ranked fourth in the country for that. Yesterday was count day for Michigan schools. Dr. Nikolai Vitti is joining us, the superintendent of Detroit Public Schools Community District. Dr. Vitti, I'm thrilled you could join us today. I know the district works really hard to make sure kids are in school every single day, but yesterday was extremely important. I know you don't have an official count yet, but can you eyeball it and tell us how it went? Uh, yeah. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, it went well. Uh, you know, I, what what we're hearing uh, is that districts in Wayne County are down in enrollment. Uh, we're hearing the same thing about city charter schools and Metro Detroit charter schools. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, we're actually trending a little higher than last year you know, maybe 200 and 300 students higher. Uh, but we really don't know what final count uh, looks like for the fall until early November uh, because um, some students obviously don't attend on actual count day. But apples to apples, mm-hmm. uh, this year's count day for, for, uh, compared to last year's count day, we're up about 200, 300 students. But the final numbers won't be clear until early November. Dr. Vitti, in July, you shared uh, absenteeism rates with the school board. and You said the rates at about 68 percent. Pre-pandemic, the number was about 54 percent. And when you look at those numbers, you got to wonder what happened. Those students had to go somewhere. Where are they? And, I, and, and let's take into account that there's uh, maybe uh, fewer students overall. The population is shrinking. We know that. But that's a big number. Where are these students? Where are they? So you're talking about chronic absenteeism or enrollment? No, chronic absenteeism. Yeah. So, you know, and last year, the 22-23 the uh, school year, we improved chronic absenteeism by about 10 percentage points, you know, 9 to 10 percentage points compared to the year before the 21-22. But as you indicated, uh, we were at about 66 percent of students being chronically absent, an improvement um, versus last year, about 76%. But compared to the pandemic, uh, we were dealing with about, you know, 62% uh, of kids being chronically absent. So there's no question that the pandemic has had a negative lingering um, impact on how um, families and even students think about uh, the importance of day-to-day attendance in schools. I think you know, as you opened it, we're seeing this throughout Michigan, uh, seeing it throughout the country, especially in large urban school districts. So we've improved versus last year, uh, but our number of chronic absenteeism is still higher than it was before the pandemic. And I, and I attribute that to just um, lingering bad habits I, I, during the pandemic uh, because of quarantining, because of, you know, uh, schools needed to be clean or high numbers. Uh, we were on or off in person, you know, going online um, for almost an entire year with 80% of our students. It just created a uh, an understanding that maybe day-to-day school is not as important as it was before the pandemic. And 
uh, we're trying to fight um, that negative uh, trend uh, by promoting daily attendance, incentives for daily attendance, um, improved attendance, uh, but we're obviously um, trying to overcome some bad habits from the pandemic. So specifically, nuts and bolts, what are Detroit schools doing to get kids back to school? I You, you talked about incentives, but right. what kind of incentives? Is there such a thing as a truant officer anymore? Uh, we don't call them that anymore, but we do have someone that functions in a similar role. So we uh, most of our schools have attendance agents. Uh, they are, Their only job is to follow up with students who... Uh, are absent um, and continually absent. So obviously on a day-to-day basis, if a student is absent, uh, we have a robo system that uh, makes a phone call, sends a robo text that your child isn't there. When the attendance, uh, when the absences start to accumulate, that attendance agent will make a home visit to the actual school, uh, meet with the family to go over the attendance data, try to problem solve through the root causes of what's leading to the attendance. Um, We're really excited about um, launching what we call health hubs throughout the city. Um, All of our feeder patterns, or at least five of our feeder patterns, but spread out on the west side, east side, southwest Detroit, central part of Detroit, will have um, a health hub at a high school or a large K-8 where we'll offer uh, a family navigator uh, to uh, help families with mental health support, dental care, um, care. uh, basic medical support, uh, and uh, as I said, dental and vision support. They also have a family resource center, so you have a- access to a pantry, uh, access to uniforms, a washer, a dryer, just some of the things that get in the way, or even eviction uh, support or DTE, um, paying bill support. So these are some of the obstacles that create chronic absenteeism that we're trying to address directly to the school district. But back to those attendance agents, they they make whole visits, they try to problem solve, and then they'll be able to refer families to these um, health hubs and resource centers to try to help with some of the issues. But what we see more than anything else that's getting in the way of daily attendance is transiency rates. Our, our families are constantly moving, unfortunately, from one part of the city to the other, um, you know, in trying to do multiple, uh, running multiple jobs at the same time to make ends meet. And it creates extreme disruption in the day-to-day lives of our students uh, that aren't attending school. So I I saw a Chalkbeat report that showed that um, homeless students have increased in large numbers within the district. They've done so in other districts as well. We're not just um, talking about Detroit here, but we have you on the line. So that that is a real problem. So housing seems to be at at a focal point here to this issue. Absolutely. Um, we have seen an increase in the homelessness. Uh, we've, we've seen an increase in the number of students that qualify, if you were dealing with being foster uh, children. And, and, you know, all of it's linked to just socioeconomic opportunities, um, employment. Uh, we see families moving from one family member to another in order to, you know, have secure housing. Uh, and so that obviously disrupts the, the lives of children. Um, and, you know, we've done a better job of, of tracking attendance. We do a better job of including attendance as part of our performance metric for every school, for our principals. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I think we're also doing a better job 
of incentivizing attendance. So, and obviously we get a lot of attention on count day for uh, some of the fun things that we do at school, but school should be about learning um, every day, but it should also be fun and there should be fun activities. And so we are trying to do more uh, dances, assemblies, field days, um, not only incentivizing students every month for perfect attendance, but improved attendance. And so some of the incentives can be a bike, a Nintendo Switch, um, Amazon cards, other kind of gift cards, um, a free homework pass. So, you know, it's important that we incentivize and recognize improved and perfect attendance as well. Dr. Nikolai Vitti, Superintendent, Detroit Public Schools Community District. I know how precious your time is. We want to thank you for spending a little bit of time to shed some light on this issue of absenteeism within your school district and what you're doing about it. Thanks for joining us here on The Focus Show. Thank you. And stay with us as our special report on Focus. Chronic absenteeism in our schools continues here on WJR. And welcome back to Focus. Glad you could join us. We're talking about chronic absenteeism in schools here in the state of Michigan. We rank fourth in the country for chronic absenteeism. And we're talking about numbers after the pandemic. So it continues to be a major problem. We thought we'd talk with a teacher to get her take or his take on what's happening inside the classroom when it comes to chronic absenteeism. And we picked a good one. Candace Jackson is with the Detroit Public Schools Community District. She's a third grade teacher at the Man Learning Center. We introduced you to her earlier this year. This was a couple of days before she found out that she was the Michigan teacher of the year and we love talking with her and she had such great insight such dedication to her students we wanted to have her back this is not her area of expertise except for the fact that she's been a teacher a long time welcome back to the wjr candace jackson we're so glad you're here Thanks for having me. I know you're taking time out of the school day to talk with us, and we really appreciate it. We talked to you in the spring right before you learned that you were named Teacher of the Year, so we want to say congratulations, of course. Has it been a whirlwind year so far? It certainly has. Very, very, (laughs) very busy, to say the least, but a great kind of busy. So we know that you, you teach third graders, correct, or Yes. Yeah, third graders. That's that's your area. So you've been teaching for 22 years. So that's why we thought we'd have you in to talk a little bit about what keeps a student in school. So in your mind, you've taught a lot of kids. I know that you've seen this problem of kids who can't seem to make it into the classroom on a regular basis. What in your mind keeps a student in school? Well, I think that if the school is actively pouring into the student and they're engaged and they have an environment where they want to be. Most of the time, a student will want to come. So what does that entail, though, specifically? How can how can the school community or teachers uh, invest in those kids? It sounds to me like you're saying they have to have a stake in what's going on in, in learning. So how do you do that? Well, like I said, creating an environment where they actually want to come, that can be like having engaging classes, engaging classes, the teachers providing relevant curriculum. Mm -hmm. They need things like reliable transportation, 
after-school programs and in-school programs. Like at my school, we have lots of clubs and things that make the children want to come every day. Um, Things that the school can do to make the students feel valued, like they are a part of the school community that makes a kid want to come and show up every day, greeting the students when they walk in every day, saying, good morning, we missed you, creating those bonds. Those are things that we do at my school to make the children want to come every day. And I know that when we interviewed you, you talked about having lunch with your students every day. I think it was the girls that you had lunch with every single day uh, because you've taken a special interest in, you know, boosting learning for for young girls up so much. So that's very invested in your student. And I know you also told me in the spring that you ask specifically about each student. You try to find out something about each student and then you talk to them about it. So, oh, you got a new cat or any number of things like that, right? Yeah, and, and that's so important. You know, I have do, do, door duty in the morning, and there was a little girl today. She's a new student, and I don't know her personally, but I noticed that she had a different hairdo today. And she was so surprised when I commented. I said, well, good morning, sweetheart. I noticed your hair is different. It looks so pretty. And she came over and she gave me a hug because things like that, that matters to a kid. I'm sure she didn't think. Well, maybe that her teacher would notice, but not that a different teacher would notice. And, you know, from here on out, I'm pretty sure that that student is going to say good morning to me and know that I did notice the small things like that. Yeah, the small things are big things, as we know. And um, we just got done talking to Superintendent Dr. Nikolai Beatty of the Detroit Mm -hmm. Public Schools Community District, and he gave us kind of an overview of this problem and said, yes, this is a huge problem. And I'm wondering... You know, when I think of chronic absenteeism, I'm, uh, what comes to my mind is a high schooler that just gives you a lot of grief about going to school. But really, for a lot of youngsters as young as in third grade, you've got to instill in them the importance of going to school, right? Absolutely. And you also have to consider that for younger kids, that attendance is not really a student problem. Most of the time it's an issue with maybe reliable transportation or you know, daycare for the parent or something like that, most of the time a first grader isn't responsible for getting himself to school on time. So it's important for the educators to create an environment that the students want to come to, but sometimes it's beyond your control whether or not that child gets here or not when they're at at a young age where they can't walk themselves to school. Now, to that point, Dr. Vitti mentioned that the district is setting up uh, to launch 12 school-based hubs, health hubs primarily in the next three years, and they're there to provide, it's going to be at the, uh, the community high schools, uh, there to provide medical resources and services for that families would need to keep their kids uh, in the classroom. And that's what you're saying, because a lot of times, obviously, this is not a problem with a third grader. It's the problem of mm-hmm. the environment that they're in. And maybe these hubs mm-hmm. would be of of great importance. Can you give us an idea of what happens to a student when they miss too much school? Well, I mean, there's lots of effects that can happen due to poor attendance. You know, we know Well, I know personally my students who have poor attendance, they perform, you know, they don't perform as well on their exams and their overall achievement in school is a little bit, you know, not quite where you would want it to be. They miss out on things like forming those daily routines. So consistency is very important when you're a little person. 
missing a couple of days of school can throw you completely out of whack. So when you do return, you're out of sorts. I think that coming to school every day is great because it teaches the students valuable skills like time management and to value the importance of education and, you know, getting your schedule down pat. Also, you know, there's correlations with attendance and graduation rates. And I think we all know that good attendance is an indicator for success. So I think that having the students here obviously is optimal for the students here in Detroit and everywhere. So anything we can do to boost up attendance is a great thing. Also, uh, when I think about this problem, I think about the fact that schools provide so much more, let's face it, than just an education because this is a social network for our kids This is where they can uh, participate in sports. I mean, they wouldn't be able to do that elsewhere. They can uh, uh, participate in after-school activities like Cub Scouts or any number of different, you know, Explorers Club or whatever. But sports is so important where kids can just, you know, whether they're a star athlete or not, they give so many skills from participating in that. So keeping them in the classroom, avoiding chronic absenteeism uh, can also just help develop a better person. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, the clubs and the sports, that's a big one. I know for me, just before this interview, when I was going down the hallway, you mentioned the girls club and we start, we kick off tomorrow on Friday. And I only had room for 30 spots because, you know, I can't eat lunch with everybody. But as I walked down the hallway, I had at least four or five girls stop and ask me, can I be in your club this week or this year? And it's hard because you can't reach all of the students. I'm thinking I'm going to have to expand my days until, you know, not just Friday, but maybe eating lunch with the girls on multiple days a week and maybe coming up with, you know, a lower L and an upper L because it's getting so popular. But things like that, again, that makes the students want to come to school. I know you told told me that the boys were also interested in having a club. Have you done anything about the boys? Yep, Yep, they they still ask about it. And I didn't create a boys' club, but what I did do was create a math club, and that's open to girls and boys so that the boys can't say I don't eat lunch with them. Yeah. So that, that's, how I, that's how I addressed that issue. You know, killing two birds with one stone, I'm going to tackle them with the math and get the boys in there as well. And do you see uh, students who are chronically absent in your school, and are you aware of them being in your school? Well, I mean, I think that chronically absent students are everywhere. I mean, it's a problem that all schools deal with. We were lucky enough to have pretty good attendance yesterday on count day. I think we had like 98.5% of the students here, but it is a challenge. I mean, it is a challenge. Well, Candace Jackson, Detroit Public Schools Community District, third grade teacher at the Man Learning Center, and way important, you're the Michigan Teacher of the Year. What a great example of fine teaching among so many teachers that we have in the state. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a little glimpse in what you do to help keep kids in the classroom every single day. Thank you for having me. Yeah, have a good lunch and have a good lunch with those girls. The Focus Show continues here on WJR. We're glad you are back here on WJR, enjoying your lunch hour, we hope. Our topic today on this special edition of Focus is Chronic school absenteeism, Michigan ranking fourth in the country for the number of students who simply don't go to school. 
We want to bring in Dr. Paula Pugh. She's the president of the State Board of Education. Welcome to the show, Dr. Pugh. We're glad you could join us. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you, Marie, and it's Pamela. I I am I am so sorry. It's okay. I have those slips every once in a while myself. And I appreciate it. I just simply can't read. So <laughs> so that may, maybe I need to go back to school. We're glad you could jo- join us to talk a little bit about um, the school absenteeism. So this new study from Stanford University ranking fourth, uh, Michigan fourth highest in the country for kids who missed at least 10 days out of the 2021-22 school year. So when you hear that number, what runs through your mind? You you head up the state uh, board of education. Well, you know, it, it, those are numbers that are startling to me as well as to to anyone else. No matter what the uh, conditions uh, are, and they are numbers that we know that we're working hard uh, to to address, especially in this current administration. Uh, working hand-in-hand with the State Board of Education to right decades of wrong. When we talk about statistics uh, around absenteeism, we cannot do that without looking at statistics around funding and equitable funding being, in Michigan, being at the bottom of all 50 states. Uh, meaning that we, when we fund schools here in Michigan and those schools that are most in need, uh, whether we're talking about English language learners, whether we're talking about low-income children, whether we're talking about children with special needs, uh, and the funding that goes to those schools, Michigan has been at the bottom of 50 states. Additionally, we have to look at the way that Michigan funds our infrastructures and our the school buildings. And uh, I can say a little bit more about that, but we're at the bottom uh, when it comes to uh, having funding to build schools uh, here in Michigan. So I have to look at all of those statistics together. And then what we see is post-pandemic uh, concerns that we had pre-pandemic being exacerbated mm-hmm. and illuminated. So uh, you said in an inter- interview that the high rate of absenteeism was likely due to uh, several things, and you kind of touched on this, but you also talked about crumbling school bu- buildings, uh, inadequate transportation to schools, increase in mental health problems within the community, that all those things were feeding into the issue of high absenteeism. Well, none of those things can be fixed overnight. I, I know you know that probably better than most of us. And all of them will take resources and commitment. Is Michigan ready to really make that kind of commitment to education? Well, we have a long way to go, but we can celebrate the historical budget and what we're seeing in those budgets. The State Board of Education and Michigan Department of Education, um, as the president of the State Board of Education and as a public health uh, expert uh, that has been studying uh, environmental conditions, whether it's the social or the built uh, or the physical environment, uh, we know that we have a long way to go, but we're happy to see in this budget that there is this push for uh, collaboration between Department of Education, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, and then EGLE, which is in our, our environmental department here in the state of Michigan. And so those are good first steps. 
Uh, we know that there are there's funding for a study to look at the building conditions because many of our school buildings have gone decades. Can you imagine decades without even having ventilation uh, addressed and also having the very small or the large class sizes where children are packed into classrooms? Imagine a home when we think about a home and imagine if the roof is le leaking. Imagine if you don't have heat uh, in the winter, air in the summer. Imagine how um, that household, the people in that household would feel if you had rodents uh, or, or um, roaches that were sharing space with you. And we have to think that our children are going into school buildings like that every day with a government system that has not been adequately funding um, their, their environment. And these are spaces where our children spend most of their time outside of the home. So yeah. though we've had historic, historical budgets where we are seeing dollars that will study and address and push uh, those entities, those government agencies who should be looking at these things, not singularly, but together, uh, pushing those uh, bodies to work together, we have a long way to go. There's been decades of disinvestment in our education system here in Michigan. Uh, we are talking to Dr. Pamela Pugh, the president of the State Board of Education here, talking about chronic absenteeism. I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a minute because I know some of our listeners are probably thinking this. What you're talking about here is uh, especially, obviously, a commitment to investment in education. All of this costs money. And it's interesting. We just were speaking to the teacher of the year here in state of Michigan, uh, Candace Johnson. She's a teacher at man, mm -hmm. a man, uh, elementary school here in Detroit. And one of the things that she talked about is how important she thinks it is to be at the door of the school every single day to say hello to each student who walks in the door and to learn something about each of those kids, like knowing their name, number one, but also knowing something about them. Like I, I gave the example, oh, you got a new cat. And so that you would know that about them. That doesn't cost money. Being a great teacher doesn't cost money. Being a great administrator in a school doesn't really cost money. It just means commitment, like your heart commitment. What are we doing about that? You are absolutely correct. But again, we cannot look at these things singularly. Again, as a public health who has someone who's been in the public health field for over 25 years, uh, you cannot look at these things and not uh, look at how the outcomes and look at the input singularly. So, yes, our children should have welcoming environments, have uh, educators as well as other uh, health professionals and health professionals that can make them feel welcome and supported. But think about it. Many of our schools don't have school nurses, mm -hmm. don't have adequate number of counselors, don't have educators and teachers uh, that they know are going to show up in the classroom. So yes, uh, we should make sure that our children have welcoming environments and that shouldn't cost. But we know, again, I will speak to the decades of disinvestments. It has not just been in the school buildings, but it has been in the dollars that have gone to ensure that we have those professionals in the field. And we do have a budget that has increased mental health professionals. We know um, with the help of MDE, 
uh, Michigan Department of Education and with the advocacy of the State Board of Education, we have pushed for an increase in mental health budget. We had $30 million that has gone up to over a third of a billion dollars around yeah. mental health. Dr. Uh, Dr. Pugh, I'm sorry I've got to cut you off there. We never have enough time with people like you. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Focus to talk about chronic absenteeism. Once again, Dr. Pamela Pugh is the State Board of Education president talking about we need to invest in education unlike we have in the past and more collaboration between state uh, departments and entities to make education a focus. Stay with us here on the Focus Show. Our day continues. And on this special edition of Focus, we are taking a look at a growing problem in the state of Michigan, and that's chronic absenteeism within our schools. A new study from Stanford University ranks Michigan fourth highest in the country for kids who missed at least 10% of the school days. Uh, That was in 21 and 22, and that number has not gotten better. That's an average of 18 days missed every school year. Some anecdotal evidence shows that a lot of kids are even missing more than that, a lot more than that. So when students miss school, they're not only missing vital instruction, as we've learned from our guests so far, but for a lot of kids, nutrition as well. A lot of students get at least one meal from their school. They're also missing socialization, the interaction with their peers, the opportunity to participate in sports or other important extracurricular activities. And a lot of them are missing out on mental health care as well. Vitally important. We want to welcome in our next guest, the Reverend Larry Simmons uh, from the Brightmoor Alliance. Welcome Reverend Simmons to WJR and the Focus Show. Hello, Sister Marie. How you doing? I'm great. I love that, Sister Marie. Uh, listen, one stat I found said that 82% of the students in Northwest Detroit schools were chronically absent, meaning that they missed those 18 days. I know that you have done a lot of work in this area. You've worked with the people in Brightmore who are economically challenged and the issues that are faced by the, the families there, like housing, poverty, transportation, Uh, A large portion of the student body is transient. We talked with um, Dr. Vitti when we kicked off the show. He mentioned each one of those things that I just talked about. So you've worked Mm -hmm. with these kids. You've worked with the families. Tell us about the students who are missing school. Who are they and why, in your mind, are they missing school? They are, uh, I work in Detroit, and so the kids I'll be describing are kids who are in Detroit, primarily in Brightmoor is where I do our work, but uh, I serve on a group called Every School Day Counts Detroit, and we actually have uh, schools in East Side and Southwest, uh, as well as in Brightmoor, and so we have experience with students and families in all those areas of the city. Uh, I would point out, as I think I heard you mention in the open, that this is really not just a Detroit problem oh, or an urban problem. Exactly. It's actually a rural problem as well. But I don't have a lot of to share on that. Uh, even though we got a lot of vacant land in Brightmore, it's not really rural yet. Um, so let me, let, let's talk about the families. One thing I want to say that um, is really important is I have yet to meet a family. Well, that's not true. I've met one. I've yet to meet a family in which the adults did not want their children to fare better in life than them. Um, circumstances often 
getting away of that, the things that Dr. Vitti made mention of. But they all have this aspiration for their children. It, all, it crosses like every demographic that you can think of. And so the question becomes, well, if we have that desire and the school is so essential to achieving those outcomes, those futures that we want, why aren't we there for the school? And it goes at the gamut of things. You mentioned poverty as uh, having reliable transportation. It's um, having trouble with uh, bullying at the school. It's uh, fear sometimes of traveling past abandoned houses, although that's far less a problem than it used to be. And the children uh, and, and chronic absence school attendance is a habit. It's something that we learn like we learn like we train children to use uh, the restroom, uh, like we train children to use utensils when they eat their food. These are all learned behaviors. Attending school is the same. And so uh, we have a, a model that says all the different layers of society have to participate in solving this problem. The household has to have a household policy that in this household, everybody gets up, everybody goes to school, school is your work, everybody gets up and goes to work. As the school has got to be welcoming, it's got to have uh, engaging pedagogy. Uh, at the system level, at the school system level, policies that help parents come to school. At every level, uh, even at the larger level, you know, the UAW and uh, the auto automobile companies are negotiating the contract. I would love for somebody to negotiate flexible hours for parents so that they can get their kids to school and still make it to work on time and not be counted as late in either location. Those are the kind of things that, that would help deal with this and help families who love their children overcome the things that are in the way of them getting them there every day. Well, let me just start by saying you bring up several important points. The first one is that this is not just a Detroit problem. My goodness, this is a Michigan problem. We're talking about Michigan. It is uh, Upper Peninsula problem. It is everywhere. It is a larger problem in our rural areas as well as in our urban areas. And when you talk, and I love that you brought up the point that there are parents, these are parents who want better for their children, who want to do better for their children. It's just the problem is sometimes things get in the way. And what's interesting, too, is when we were talking to Dr. Pamela Pugh, uh, president of the State Board of Education, and she, you know, laid it on the line and said, look, we've had disinvestment in this state uh, in education, that that's been a major problem. But Mm -hmm. also one of the points she brought up, and you just touched on it, was this cooperation between uh, different entities in the state. It's not just the education department needs to work on this. We need to have the environmental department working on this. We need to have other people vested and other groups vested in our government and coming up with policy that will put our students first to make sure that they have a good outcome. Um, First of all, getting them to school, because that's what we're talking about here, but also having a good outcome. So you touched on all of that in, in your in your and, comments. And, and in attendance, you know, as we try to recruit private sector, because I believe that the private sector is indispensable for helping to solve this problem. As we reach out to the private sector, we point out that your employee absenteeism problem is just another name for school chronic absence. That behavior, which is learned and practiced at the school level, carries over into the workplace. You know, we have big corporations that decline to come to Michigan because they say the reading level is too low. Well, where do you learn to read? 
You learn to read in school and at home, but you learn to read in school. And so if you're not present in school, then that means you're going to lag. It means that our economy and our workforce lag. It, the, the impact of chronic absence reverberates to almost every level, and you are so correct. I, I do want to take a moment to, if I may, to promote a local uh, student and uh, professor of attendance, Dr. Sarah Linhoff at Wayne State University. I appreciate what the Stanford University professor has done, but uh, the Detroit Education Equity Partnership. Did I get that right? Detroit <laughs> Peer. Detroit <laughs> Education Equity Research Partnership. Uh, Detroit Peer has put out some phenomenal work describing the challenges that children have. And I would encourage anyone who's interested, you can look it up at Wayne State University. We have a local expert who is the equivalent, in my opinion, superior to the national experts who talk specifically about Detroit and the challenges that parents are facing, like transportation, like housing stability. Uh, and, of course, we know poverty, but poverty is a big problem, and so we don't focus on that. We recognize it. But there are things that the household can do, there are things we could do in the neighborhood, there are things we can do at the school, and there are things that businesses can do. You know, I was going to ask you, uh, because you've seen it happen so often, what happens to a student who um, just doesn't show up for school and eventually just drops out? Because let's face it, by the time they get to be teenagers, um, it's hard to get them to school anyway. I don't care where you live or, you know, <laughs> what, what the situation is, right? So, but I... I love that you made this connection between school absenteeism and employee absenteeism. I had never, ever made that connection. And I've talked to so many employers, especially, you know, now post-pandemic, who are saying, yeah, I have people showing up for a few days and then they don't show up for three days and then they come back and I'm so desperate for employees that I take them back. And I can't tell you the number of times I've heard that from people. Oh, it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And again, if we think of it as learned behavior, uh, then we want to do everything that we can as a, as a community to smooth the way. Now, I, let me hasten to say, I am not relieving the household of, of necessity of taking, being involved in this. The household has to hold education as a priority and a value and has to oftentimes push through and over obstacles. But I think many households can do that, particularly if we're willing to give them some support. Can we do things like maybe uh, uh, create some kind, we're talking about all these funds, why not create a fund for landlords and tenants when there's a parent in the household, if there's some trouble, let's have a flex fund where a parent can get help paying their, um, their rent, the landlord doesn't lose out on their rent and allows the parent to remain stable, which helps the child in terms of getting to school. These are really, really um, big deals that can be done for a small thing. Or uh, parents often have to pay uh, very large application fees. Can we say, okay, you have to pay the application fee, but if they don't get the apartment or the house or the, the flat, can they get back yeah. a significant portion of that fee? Those yeah. are the kind of things outside the school that we can all work together. And, and you know, I'm, I, I want to take care of landlords like I want to take care of tenants and find a way to take care of both. 
Thank you, Dr. Larry Simmons, for helping us look at the big picture here and maybe make some connections to this problem that are really important for all of us to look at. Uh, Dr. or the Reverend Larry Simmons, executive <laughs> director. For me. Yeah, I did promote you there, didn't I? But for a second, for a second. Yeah, right. Well, for a second. you are an executive director for the Brightmore Alliance. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. We'll Thanks. continue here on the Focus Show on WJR. And welcome back. Our topic for the show today, chronic absenteeism in Michigan schools. We're ranked fourth in the country for that. Yesterday was count day for Michigan schools. Dr. Nikolai Vitti is joining us, the superintendent of Detroit Public Schools Community District. Dr. Vitti, I'm thrilled you could join us today. I know the district works really hard to make sure kids are in school every single day, but yesterday was extremely important. I know you don't have an official count yet, but can you eyeball it and tell us how it went? Uh, yeah. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, it went well. Uh, you know, I, what what we're hearing uh, is that districts in Wayne County are down in enrollment. Uh, we're hearing the same thing about city charter schools and Metro Detroit charter schools. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, we're actually trending a little higher than last year. You know, maybe 200 and 300 students higher, uh, but we really don't know what final count uh, looks like for the fall until early November, uh, because um, some students obviously don't attend on actual count day. But apples to apples, mm-hmm. uh, this year's count day for, uh, compared to last year's count day, we're up about 200, 300 students. But the final numbers won't be clear until early November. Dr. Vitti, in July, you shared uh, absenteeism rates with the school board. You said the rates at about 68 percent. Pre-pandemic, the number was about 54 percent. And when you look at those numbers, you got to wonder what happened. Those students had to go somewhere. Where are they? And I and, and let's take into account that there's uh, maybe uh, fewer students overall. The population is shrinking. We know that. But that's a big number. Where are these students? Where are they? So you're talking about chronic absenteeism or enrollment? Yeah, no, chronic absenteeism. Ab- yeah. So, you know, and last year, the 22-23 the uh, school year, we improved chronic absenteeism by about 10 percentage points, you know, 9 to 10 percentage points compared to the year before the 21-22. But as you indicated, uh, we were at about 66 percent of students being chronically absent, an improvement um, versus last year, about 76%. But compared to the pandemic, uh, we were dealing with about, you know, 62% uh, of kids being chronically absent. So there's no question that the pandemic has had a negative lingering um, impact on how um, families and even students think about uh, the importance of day-to-day attendance in schools. I think you know, as you open, we're seeing this throughout Michigan, uh, seeing it throughout the country, especially in large urban school districts. So we've improved versus last year, uh, but our number of chronic absenteeism is still higher than it was before the pandemic. And I, and I attribute that to just um, lingering bad habits I, I, during the pandemic uh, because of quarantining, because of, you know, uh, schools needed to be clean or high numbers. Uh, we were on or off in person, you know, going online um, for almost an entire year with 80% of our students. It just created a 
uh, an understanding that maybe day-to-day school is not as important as it was before the pandemic. And uh, we're trying to fight um, that negative uh, trend uh, by promoting daily attendance, incentives for daily attendance, um, improved attendance, uh, but we're obviously um, trying to overcome some bad habits from the pandemic. So specifically, nuts and bolts, what are Detroit schools doing to get kids back to school? I use, You talked about incentives, but right. what kind of incentives? Is there such a thing as a truant officer anymore? Uh, we don't call them that anymore, but we do have someone that functions in a similar role. So we, uh, most of our schools have attendance agents. Uh, they are, their only job is to follow up with students who uh, are absent um, and continually absent. So obviously on a day-to-day basis, if a student is absent, uh, we have a robo system that uh, makes a phone call, sends a robo text that your child isn't there. When the attendance, uh, when the absences start to accumulate, that attendance agent will make a home visit to the actual school, uh, meet with the family to go over the attendance data, try to problem solve through the root causes of what's leading to the attendance. Um, we're really excited about um, launching what we call health hubs throughout the city. Um, all of our feeder patterns, or at least five of our feeder patterns, but spread out on the west side, east side, southwest Detroit, central part of Detroit, will have um, a health hub at a high school or a large K-8 where we'll offer uh, a family navigator uh, to uh, help families with mental health support, dental care, um, um, uh, basic medical support, uh, and uh, as I said, dental and vision support. They also have a family resource center. So you have access to a pantry, uh, access to uniforms, a washer, a dryer, just some of the things that get in the way, or even eviction uh, support or DTE, um, paying bill support. So these are some of the obstacles that create chronic absenteeism that we're trying to address directly to the school district. But back to those attendance agents, they, they make home visits, they try to problem solve, and then they'll be able to refer families to these um, health hubs and resource centers to try to help with some of the issues. But what we see more than anything else that's getting in the way of daily attendance is transiency rates. Our, our families are constantly moving, unfortunately, from one part of the city to the other, um, you know, in trying to do multiple, uh, running multiple jobs at the same time to make ends meet. And it creates extreme disruption in the day-to-day lives of our students uh, that aren't attending school. So I, I saw a Chalkbeat report that showed that um, homeless students have increased in large numbers within the district. They've done so in other districts as well. We're not just um, talking about Detroit here, but we have you on the line. So that that is a real problem. So housing seems to be at a at a focal point here to this issue. Absolutely. Um, we have seen an increase in the homelessness. Uh, we've, we've seen an increase in the number of students that qualify, if you were dealing with being foster uh, children. And, and, you know, all of it's linked to just socioeconomic opportunities, um, employment. Uh, we see families moving from one family member to another in order to, you know, have secure housing. Uh, and so that obviously disrupts the, the lives of children. Um, and, you know, we've done a better job of, of tracking attendance. We do a better job of including attendance as part of our performance metric for every school, for our principals. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I think we're also doing a better job 
of incentivizing attendance. So, and obviously we get a lot of attention on count day for uh, some of the fun things that we do at school, but school should be about learning um, every day, but it should also be fun and there should be fun activities. And so we are trying to do more uh, dances, assemblies, field days, um, not only incentivizing students every month for perfect attendance, but improved attendance. And so some of the incentives can be a bike, a Nintendo Switch, um, and we continue our special focus program on chronic absenteeism within Michigan schools. As we've said several times on the show today, a new Stanford study showing that Michigan ranks fourth in the number of students who are chronically absent from school and this causing all kinds of problems within our communities. Pam Good is the co-founder and CEO of Beyond Basics. Pam, we're so glad that you could join us today. I've spoken to you so many times before. And Beyond Basics, what I love about your organization is that you are driven by measurable results. You like to talk about that. And we know that if a student does not show up in school, they're not going to learn. How big is this problem? Well, Marie, it's a pleasure to be here. And, uh, and be able to talk with you today. Um, you know, there's, uh, this is a, a, a huge problem, obviously, and education is impacted. And um, I know that there's probably two root causes, and there's lots of issues in each. But one is the basic needs of kids in vulnerable communities. And, you know, we're, we're all about literacy uh, for those students. And literacy is, um, you know, a, a root cause for absences because children who can't read are not likely to desire to go to school Mm -hmm. and if there are multiple grade levels behind it's probably the last place you'd want to be you know if you're an eighth grader reading at a fourth grade level school isn't the place you want to be so it's a problem and I believe that our society has failed to properly address the issues of children and families in vulnerable communities. And it isn't just Detroit and communities like Detroit. This is spread into the suburbs, into the rural communities. And uh, we need to, as a society, come together and start addressing this to solve issues, to find the cure, and not just have symptom relief. Yeah, we've heard this very thing from several of our very important guests today on the show. Um, I found this statistic that says children who are chronically absent in early grades are less likely to read at grade level by the third grade. So we're talking about students at the third grade who become disengaged with learning. And one of the questions that I had wanted to ask a couple of our guests but was unable to because we ran out of time, what and you touched on it, was the fact that if you've got a student who's struggling to read, why on earth would they want to go to school? So if they already have issues at home that maybe mom doesn't have good transportation some days of the week and there might be other issues, well, they're not going to be driven to go to the classroom. Absolutely. They're going to try to avoid it. And on top of that, Marie, we have this issue of illiteracy. It's been creeping up over about four decades. So you have a community where education has not benefited them. They send their kids to school and the kids leave not being able to, you know, even get a job. And over the years, I mean, what what is the motivation for them to send them? And I've just said that. What I find is the parents are motivated still mm-hmm. to send kids to school. Um, but they do have so many other issues. I mean, sometimes the kids need to work 
and we're talking about older kids, they need to work or they need to care for children. Uh, transiency is high. Um, you know, homeless children. I, I can't even believe that we have homeless children that show up to school and we're not addressing that. Um, I think that we as society collectively do this. We we look to solve the symptoms and we don't address those root causes. And then, um, you know, we send resources in a way, but we don't send relationship. And I think we need to look at that, that people need more than a resource or um, the directions of where to go for help, we need to be there and walk alongside them and figure this out for them, especially for, for families that have children. Uh, because there are issues, I'm amazed, honestly, Marie, that of the strength of the community that navigates the issues they do every day and still get their kids to school. I mean, if you don't have food, you don't have transportation, you don't have heat in the house or consistent housing, um, how do you how do you get them to school? And so we have people who are suffering uh, in multiple ways, and we need to to step in and just start helping them and navigate, help to navigate. It's not all about just sending money, right? It's about having a process that that we can take them by the hand, figure out with them what the best thing is for their family and for their their situation. Um, and really respond to it with our hearts uh, more than, you know, from far away figuring they just need more dollars. Transiency, it's interesting, was also brought up by a couple of our guests, most notably by uh, the Detroit Public School Community District uh, Superintendent Nikolai Vitti saying transiency is a huge problem. You have unstable homes uh, or housing situations, so you've got kids moving from one place to another to another. There's just no consistency. It's very hard to make sure that your child continues to go to school under those circumstances. Let's talk for a second about Beyond Basics and how they try to solve this problem. What happens when you go to into a school to assist and try to teach kids, uh, try to catch them up to grade level for reading? Well, you know, obviously we're impacted by their absences. Um, and many times people walk away because they are absent. But I would say those kids that have the most absences are also the ones that need the help the most. And so we try to walk alongside them, catch them while they're there, and they do improve in the reading. And I separated root causes of basic needs and literacy because I think that they impact a child in different ways, right? Both are necessary. What we do is actually empower that student to access education. And when they leave education, to be able to go out and go to college or get a job, whatever whatever they choose to do. But they have that choice, and they're able to take care of themselves and their family. So literacy is a huge piece of solving this problem and motivating. And also, you know, there's 47% adult illiteracy. When we provide people uh, the ability to read, they can now pursue not only their own dreams, but be a reader in a family that needs help to navigate society because more and more with everything online, you really do have to read uh, to be able to acquire anything, uh, you know, in, in, in our, our communities now. So reading is more important with technology, I believe, than it was before. And uh, as we wrap up here, uh, Pam, I just want to, one of the things that always impresses me about uh, Beyond Basics is, again, not just your use of measurable results. You're really after that. But your intensive approach to 
uh, teaching children to read. Um, this is not just a 15-minute learning session. You say repeated uh, work with a student over days upon days during the school year is what yields good results. Absolutely. It's that one-on-one, you know, the right curriculum, but one-on-one tutoring. It is that relationship. And, you know, I would like to say that our partnership exists uh, because of the district and because of their leadership. You know, Nikolai Vitti stepped in and his team, and they have been working to really bring the cure, right, bring the solution, Um, not only with absences, but also with literacy. Um, They are going deep in getting kids what they need to get them reading. And, you know, they're starting to see the results of that, even though they've had a pandemic (laughs) in the middle of it. So I think they have the right strategy. They just have so many kids in need. They really need more resources to address these issues with students, uh, basic issues in their lives, and also this literacy piece. But they are on the right track solving this problem, and they need more people to join, just as we do, to join us to help flatten this curve of illiteracy in in school communities. And that's the issue that was brought up by Dr. Pam Pugh, the State Board of Education president, saying that an investment must be made from communities and government and policy to really help solve this problem. Pam Good, once again, the co-founder of Beyond Basics, the CEO there of Beyond Basics. Thank you, Pam, for your insight. We always appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Marie. Pleasure to be with you. And when we continue here on WJR, we're going to leave our uh, topic behind here as we wrap up that portion of the show. But to close it out, we want to have a couple of laughs for you. We're going to bring in a comedian that's uh, from Detroit and making a pretty good splash on the national stage. We'll be right back. That's why on Facebook you pretend everything's going amazing. Make everyone think things are going better than they actually are. It is like a padded bra for your life. (laughs) (laughs) That is Kat Timp. She's a writer, a comedian, a libertarian commentator. She's currently the co-host of Gutfield on Fox News, and that's on weeknights at 11 o'clock. She's a contributor for Fox as well. And Kat, I want to welcome you into the show. You're going to be, you have a couple of dates here in Detroit uh, at the Majestic Theater. So welcome to Detroit. But somebody tells me you're a native Detroiter. Yeah, absolutely. I spent, uh, actually, I spent half my life in Michigan, if you count the time I spent at Hillsdale College. But yeah, I'm from the Detroit area. So I'm really excited to come back and it'd be kind of a, a reunion of sorts to come do these shows. Absolutely. You've re- you're also uh, the author of a new book called You Can't Joke About That. And we've all been told about you can't joke about that. Yeah. And you know what? I think that that is a really mean thing to say to somebody because um, what my book is about and what my show is also about, my show is kind of like a one woman show slash stand up routine about some of the stuff I talk about in the book that happened in my life. All the toughest stuff that I've been through, it was made a lot more difficult, whether it was my emergency surgery or my mom dying at a young age, um, by people who seemed like they were so scared to say the wrong thing around me that they actually couldn't like talk to me at all. But what made it easier for me was being able to kind of make jokes about the tough things that I was going through because I found that, honestly, humor can bring a healing power to things the way that nothing else can, the really tough stuff in life. It can take some of the power away from the stuff that's making you feel really powerless. So to say that you can't joke about something can be 
taking a healing mechanism away from somebody who might really need it. You know, Kat, you are so true uh, in saying all that. I, I personally, my family suffered a, a big tragedy a few years ago. We lost our youngest son. And what we find as a family most healing is when we share the funny, really funny stuff. Yeah. And we just, it just helps heal our hearts. And that is so true. And obviously you, you experienced that with the loss of your mom when you were young. So I love your perspective. But I, I also, you know, I heard, I saw some of your stand-up. And I'm curious about, I ask comedians this all the time. How did you find your comedic voice? So I honestly started doing stand-up comedy because I needed to, and that's it goes like in line with the Like needed a job, like needed a job. Well, no. <laughs> well, I I kind of needed a job. So when I was at, out in at Los Angeles, right, I I actually got into Columbia Journalism School and I was enrolled, and then I realized I don't have eighty thousand dollars, and I also don't have a plan to make eighty thousand dollars. So I'm not going to take out this loan, and I'm not going. So <laughs> oh come on, I stayed it's in everybody's LA. taking out a loan. Everybody I takes know. out a school loan. I know. And I, well, I had took out some for room and board for undergrad at a full tuition scholarship, but I was like, this is pretty much all I'm going to be ever to be able to pay back. I thought about that. So I stayed in LA and I was waiting tables and in, interning to learn skills for free. And then my boyfriend, my college boyfriend broke up with me and I lived in this horrible apartment. I had no money. And then I lost that apartment. Everything was really rough. I didn't know anybody. I was alone. I was sad. I was broke. And I started going to open mics and I started doing stand up because I really found that being able to make jokes about that stuff gave me sort of power over the stuff that was making me feel powerless, just like I said before. And also, it was like the one means of connection that I had in my life, you know. So I, I discovered that, and, I, and that stuck with me throughout my life, that it's been the way that I've gotten through some of the stuff. Because if you can laugh at something, that doesn't mean that it's funny. I mean, it just means you might need to laugh at it because it's so not funny. And I think more people agree with this than you know, I, I, then people act like they do. I mean, I found that researching the book and then also doing my shows. I get up and I do this routine and a lot of the stuff that I talk about is pretty dark and people laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and let's talk for a second, because I know uh, you've said that um, you like to deal with these topics with a great deal of respect. I think that a lot of times there are people who use humor in a very biting and nasty way. And that's, there's a difference between that and what you try to strive to do. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I talk about this all the time where I think that where we've gone wrong is we stopped weighing intention. Um, there's this idea that, you know, it doesn't matter what your intention was. If you said something that hurt somebody, that's all that matters. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think that what your intention was should be weighed heavily. And that doesn't mean like that. Look, I have a lot of feelings. Okay. I'm a very sensitive person. So I don't think it's bad to be sensitive. I think where things go wrong is when you expect the entire world to revolve around your sensitivity, because then you're kind of just being selfish. So if we start weighing it more like, okay, maybe this person didn't mean to hurt me, then really you can kind of reserve that anger for the people who deserve it, who are being jerks because they're jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you being know? jerks for being jerks. That's what we yeah. need to identify, right? Is to, to hone in to hone in on those folks. Uh so you're gonna be at the Majestic Theater. Are you gonna be there tonight and tomorrow or Friday and Saturday? I can't I'm gonna be there Saturday and Sunday. Oh, okay. Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. And do you have any spe specific Detroit stuff that you're gonna bring with you? 
Well, uh, my dad. <laughs> no, other than your dad, I be, meant in the act. No, like anything in yes, the act. it's gonna be a it's gonna be a special show um, Saturday and Sunday. I have some surprises planned. So this is my hometown show. I'm very very excited both of, for both of these shows. So tickets are still available. You can go to therealcattemp.com. But I'm these shows specifically. Yes, I'm gonna have some special things for these shows only. Are you ever pinching yourself that you made it onto this national TV show on the Fox News Network? Every single day. (laughs) Every time I, and I have meet and greets at these shows too, and I love meeting people. And it's weird when people seem nervous because I'm like, I'm nervous, you know, like, I hope I'm not disappointing you. (laughs) Like I'm just some lady, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that you're going to be a disappointment. Kat Tiff, Uh uh, we want to thank you for joining us here on WJR. Good luck on the shows and good luck on the career. We love a young woman on stage doing stand-up. That shows, uh, that shows spunk. Thanks, Kat. And thank, thank you. And thank you for joining us here on the Focus Show here on WJR.